What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Play to the Whistle podcast. Today you're here with Kieran and T-Dot. And as usual, we're going to be rounding up the games from the weekend. A lot of excited games. You can probably hear the big smile on my face because we'll see, I can, I can talk a bit freely this week. Um, but yeah, we're, co- we're covering some good games. We've got um, Liverpool, Everton, Merseyside Derby, Southampton, Chelsea, West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal, City, Villa, Leicester, Big Midlands Derby, and the um, Clash of the Titans of yesteryear, United, Newcastle. So um, yeah, ex- excited about this one. Obviously, you can follow us at, um, oh, sorry, on Twitter at PTTW Podcast. Um, and keep an eye out for obviously Instagram uh, as well under the same handle. So before we even get into it, what are you saying, T Dot? Yeah, man, good, good, man. Happy, not with my team, but I think there's been some good football the last couple of days. Um, like you said, we'll get into them, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm good, man. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm alive, kicking. Ready for another week. I like I like these the the, the weekend ones because it feels like right at the end Sunday, and it's the rather than thinking and stressing about work to come, I can talk a little bit more about football. So always good, man. Always good. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. So yeah, so tell us about Merseyside Derby as a local. <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about the game. Obviously, <laughs> big local. big result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I think I think it was a, a good game. Um, you know, you look and you go into that kind of game, and you think that this is probably the best chance for Everton to beat Liverpool off the back of the form that Liverpool have been in. Um, I think it's six games without a win now in the league. So um, at Anfield, anyway, um, they've been they've been poor. Um, yeah, Everton started obviously early goal. Uh, they started really well. Um, Richarlison showed what he can do. Um, you know, ter- ter- obviously they, they didn't have Calvert Lewin, so you know it was, it was something that Richarlison had to do. He had to step up, and he done that early on. I think it was like three minutes, two minutes into the game. It was terrible marking by Liverpool, um, not just for the goal, but on a number of occasions. It was it was poor marking. They weren't tight enough on Richarlison. Um, you know, they couldn't cope with his pace. Um, the strength, you know, his movement off the ball, with the ball, it was just a, it was just a struggle for Liverpool. Um, you know, I felt sorry for Kabak because, you know, he's coming to a game um, or into a team, I should say, where he's expected to just fit in, and it, you know, it's not going to be easy for him. He's had, he's had, I think he's had three yellow cards already in his first three games. So, um, but in terms of the game, you know, I thought Richarlison took the first goal really well, um, deflated Liverpool. Put them on the back foot straight away. Um, you know, Everton were lucky not to go 2 0 up as well. I think for, uh, Seamus Coleman, he had a good chance to, to make it 2 0. Uh, misplaced the header, but, you know, he, he doesn't score many. So you kind of expect that from him. But um, yeah, you know, Liverpool have had their problems this season. We've spoke about it on here a couple of times. Um, Everton were just compact. You know, they, they looked like a, a unit you know defensively um, Ancelotti had the three at the back with um, Holgate Keane Godfrey not one of them put a foot wrong um, on Saturday you know they were they were the, the reason that they probably won that game if I'm honest they um, you know they didn't give Liverpool any space in the final third 
any crosses coming in. They got rid of it. They dealt with it properly. There was no hesitation in the box. Um, even, you know, going back to the second goal, you know, you talk about um, how Liverpool liked to press. It caught them out completely. You know, I think Trent's in his own half. Literally, it's like a, it's like almost watching like a Usain Bolt race. You know, he got Calvert-Lewin and um, Trent and Alexander-Arnold sprinting back. And I just felt that was... For me personally, um, you know, that was one of their issues most of the second half is that they were trying to push through and get that goal, you know, get the, the point. Um, but it was just clumsy from Trent. You know, I don't want to talk too much about the penalty. I think it was harsh. Um, you know, I said the same thing when it was David Luiz a few weeks ago. You know, it was a harsh penalty then. I still think it's a harsh penalty now. Um, but Liverpool weren't good enough, you know. They just weren't, they weren't at the, the races at all. Um they had a few chances to maybe score, but they just weren't, as we've said before, you know, they just weren't good enough. And one of the things that I do want to mention, I've bashed him a lot on, on here, is is Jordan Pickford. You know, the last couple of weeks he's been out. Olsen's been in goal. He's come back. Two back-to-back games I've watched of, of Everton now with Pickford in goal. And he's been, you know, yeah, I don't think he's conceded in the two. Um, I think he needed that break from the team. You know, I think that... that that's helped him. I think it was an injury anyway, but he's come at the right time for him. He seems to have got his head back on, focused on the game. He's commanding at the defence. There's communication between them. So, you know, I just think they, they played, Everton played well, deservedly winners. Um, you know, Liverpool now, I think are 33 points different, worse off than they were last season. So that kind of tells you already that, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a blip anymore. This is now at a point where Liverpool really need to start thinking about how they get out of this situation and start rebuilding, you know, for the next season now and hopefully clinching that top four because, you know, we spoke about their injuries that they've had in, during the season. Um, but you look at the season that they've had due to COVID um, last season, you'd expect them to bring in a few players thinking this season, you know, COVID's still around, you might contract it or et cetera, et cetera. So you want to have that depth in the squad and they just haven't had that. So people will blame the, the manager. Some people blame the board. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the one that gets sacked is the manager. The, 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 the board don't get sacked, do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying Klopp will get sacked, but I just feel like the pressure will be on him for that reason. But um, the last thing I'll say, and I'll get your thoughts as well, um, Kieran, is... A lot of the talk at the moment is around Van Dijk and the fact that Van Dijk isn't playing and, you know, he's had, he's had, I think, played eight games this season before he got his injury. But Liverpool have still got a good squad and a lot of those players, Alisson, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Widgie in the middle, uh, Thiago, Mane, Salah, Firmino, they've all been playing a lot of football this season and uh, albeit, yes, they've lost their two main centre-backs, but that's what your transfer window is for. You know, your transfer window is for that. So, um, rightfully so. I think, I think it was 20, was it 20 years that they haven't beat um, Liverpool? So, um, yeah, I think rightfully so. Why not celebrate? Why not, you know, make it look like they've just won a league? Because to them, they take a lot of stick from Liverpool fans. So, I understand why they celebrated and, and there's videos going around of them doing that because, it's a local rival and that's what football is all about so for me well done to Everton you know I thought I thought they played really well and like I said you know Ancelotti is getting the best out of that team 
Yeah, I, I, I echo everything you said. Um, I think I don't think Liverpool were that bad to a po- um, up to a point. I think you touched on the in- injuries and Henderson when he went off. I felt I felt like when he was on the pitch, he had a he had a good shot. Um, that that I think Pickford to tip round the post. I'll, I'll come to him briefly in a moment, but. I think when they lost him, it felt like they just lost lost a bit of that buzz. They had a, they had some good chances, but I think I said before they they just looked tired yesterday. They lacked ideas. Funny enough, Quebec is playing the same way he's playing for Schalke. Um, good in spells. Um, he he he's, he has picked up quite a number of cards, yellow cards and red cards in the Bundesliga. And he does get caught sometimes. He's he's young and he will develop, but you can see it with a goal with Charleston. He's a he's a clever player. Um, Pickford, I just want to say, yeah, I echo that. Like I've I've given him a lot of stick, a lot of stick. Um, but he he came back. He he did really well. He, I don't know. I don't know if you think this as well, but he looks um he looks a bit slimmer. He looks maybe it's because he's he's cut his hair and he's he's grown a bit of stubble. But he just looks fitter and he he looks a bit sharper. But I don't know if you agree with that, especially yesterday. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He he just looks like he's been. I don't know whether, like I said, I don't know how severe this injury was that he had, whether what it was, but you can almost see that he's been on the training pitch and he's been. He's been working in just his positioning, in his decision-making, the way that he, he actually now parries the ball away rather than just giving it to the, the, the opponents. You know, he's doing, he's, he's obviously been working on something over the last couple of weeks and that's showing in the last two games. But for me personally, um, you know, hopefully that carries on for, for Everton because I feel like they've got a good chance, if not to get into the Champions League, which is probably the unrealistic target for them. But definitely to look at Europa, I think they can easily consider that as a, a target for the season now. And, you know, you look at the teams around them, um, you know, like a West Ham and all the Chelsea, those kind of teams there, you know, they can still they can still consider getting Europa League this season. So as long as they can keep, you know, sort of like um, Hammers, fit who had a brilliant game as well yes uh, Saturday um, I, I don't see why not but yeah Pickford for me um, like I said we both said we bashed him on here a lot but yeah he's, he's been playing well man really well yeah I, I totally agree and I think if he can maintain the form uh, that he showed yesterday that is going to be the difference because if you look at um, the table obviously we'll have a closer look at it later but up in there, um, Everton, I think, are the only team that's got a game in hand. They're on 40 points. This is about a nine-point difference after United's win against uh, Newcastle, obviously. But um, d- between them, West Ham and Leicester, they're not worse than either of those two teams. Um, they may play diff- slightly different, but player-wise, um, you know, if, if and I think the difference is with Pickford. If Pickford can have a run of form, between now and the end of the season, it's about 13 games, something like that. That will be the difference. If he slips up again, that, that will cost them the one or two points. It will, it, will get, it will be for them to finish sixth, fifth, fourth, wherever it might be. So I think that's going to be a good one to obviously to keep a close eye on. But I think, as I always said, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed watching Everton this season. I think in Carla Ancelotti, um, Hammers, Rupalison, exciting people to have at the club. And you know they're going to be there or thereabouts I don't see them falling away now I think this is going to be their one 
one really big chance of actually, you know, hitting the Champions League for the first time uh, since it reformed. So, um, yeah, I'm hopeful that they can keep that form up because they deserve it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. Um, like I say, I think they, that's not, um, you know, an ambitious target for them. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to Liverpool, I just feel like in the summer they've got to really address that address that depth in the in the squad. Um, people talk about you know they've got one of the best teams in the world and Salah's world class and you know if you've got these players in the team, for me personally, I don't feel like losing. Okay, arguably you've lost three centre backs, so it's, it's unprecedented. You don't really hear of that in one season. But if you're talking about a Van Dijk who's world class, if you've got someone that you can bring in, you know, they've had to bring, I don't think Habak or um, Ben Davis would have been first choice for Liverpool. These are just almost, we've got no other option buys. You know, they haven't really had to, you know, they've had plenty of time to consider this in the last 12 months. And I just think, you, you know, for a team that's won the Champions League, won the Premier League, not really to invest in that squad off the back of them two intense seasons that they've had, this was a, this was going to be the only outcome of that whole thing, and yeah, they've got to address that because just looking at some of the, the, I think Jota's probably the the one that may come back um, quite soon. I, I think uh, I think Gomez and Matip are probably out till June. I think the same for uh, obviously Van Dijk. I think they've said May. Um, Naby Keita, I think, is coming back soon as well, but. You know, like I said before, a few weeks ago, it's going to take them a while for these players to, you know, you can't expect, um, you know, even a Diego Jota to come back and just suddenly click. You know, it's going to take a while to get back that, to that fitness level that they need him to be. And the same with the, all the others, you know, the three centre-backs as well. So they're going to have to consider that, um, you know, in the summer and definitely need to bring in some quality because the likes of Milner and Shakiri, Origi, you know, They've been good for Liverpool over the last couple of years, but you know if they want to sustain winning leagues and winning Champions Leagues and all that, they're not going to do it with that squad they've got there. So, you know they need to they need to really consider that in the summer. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and um, obviously that, that that probably brings us on to and you know another side um, that in Chelsea where you kind of looking at they did address a lot of a lot of things in in the summer they've they've obviously changed their manager and um you're going to tell us a little bit about the Southampton Chelsea game yesterday now and I think for me I'm interested I don't know from from the bits I saw of it was Southampton did they earn their point or was it a day where you where Chelsea could have done more tell us about the game if I'm honest I think I think Southampton were would have been obviously the bet the team that would have been more happy with the point. I don't think they. I think we must have had at least seventy five percent, maybe eighty percent possession most of the first half. Um, you know, it wasn't a bad start by Chelsea at all. Uh, we had some good chances in the first twenty twenty five minutes of the game. I think Zuma had a brilliant chance as well to make it one nil um, with a, again with a misplaced header, uh, very similar to Coleman's. Um, plenty of possession. It was just it was a it was a possession control game by Chelsea. It was just a lapse in concentration. Um, firstly from Alonso who drifts out of the, the back five. Um then again, you know, you're looking at the other side, you've got Reese James, who doesn't really read the game, no neither does Aspiaqueta. Um it was you know, it was basic marking mistakes that were just 
you know, could have been avoided. Um, brilliant pass by Redmond for the goal. Um, you know, nicely weighted pass through to uh, Minamino. But at that point for me, Aspiraqueta just needs to read that better. You know, he's, he's experienced enough to understand what Southampton are trying to do here. And he just, you know, he was too, again, goes back to what I was saying about depth in squad. He's one of those players that his legs probably aren't there anymore. So you're asking, you know, a player of his age to to, to play centre back, you know, Minamino was just gone, um, but he took the goal well. I still think Aspiraqueta should stand him up and not allow him to. You know, he went down too too early, too easily, um, made it made it look easy for for Minamino. But um, after that, you know, we, I think again, you know, for me, Tammy Abraham probably wasn't fully fit. I don't know if he's, you know, he came off against Newcastle. I think. Um, last game and you know I think for me you talk about squad depth and we spoke about it for Liverpool I feel still feel like we need more attacking options at Chelsea Um, you know you took off Tammy at half time brings on Callum Hudson-Odoi who for me you know changed the game second half he comes on um, Matt moves into 10 the 10 position and, and then they're causing problems for Southampton they can't keep up with the possession of play, they can't keep up with Chelsea trying to you know make the triangles that they've been they've been working on, obviously under Tuchel. Um, but then, yeah, you know, it just didn't for me, it just didn't make sense to, to then bring him off. You know, for, bring off Hudson Odoi. You know, someone who changed the game in the first in the second half in the first couple of minutes of the second half to then bring him off. So um, it was just a strange game for me. Um, again, the penalty. For me, it was a, a clumsy mistake. Um, you know, I just don't know whether. Um, yeah, I just don't know whether refs now are, are almost feeling the need that they have to give a penalty. I've, most decisions now feel like they're just being given as penalties, even if there's a bit of doubt in there. They're still giving it as penalties. So for me, yeah, it was a, it was a penalty, but you know, Mount took it really well as well. Um, you know, I think he's a twenty fifth different player to score a penalty for Chelsea. Um, so, you know, um, you know, I've got quite a large range of penalty takers at Chelsea, but I just feel like for for Tuchel, um, I said before at the weekend last weekend to someone that I still feel like we're in honeymoon period at Chelsea. Um, you know, I think Southampton could have easily in the second half, you know, they could have probably gone on to get a second goal. We didn't really look like we were going to do that. There was no real, apart from the chances that Hudson, Hudson Odoi made when he went off, we didn't really make any of the chances. So I just felt that Southampton potentially could have gone on and got a winner out of that. But um, it was just a strange, I mean, I think after the subbing on, subbing off, I think that just deflated the Chelsea team, if I'm honest. I don't think, you know, you know it's not a good thing for the player to come off. But then the players around him will be looking and saying, well, he's the guy that's just changed the game for us. And, you know, we're trying to win, get three points here. So to take him, bring him on and then take him off. Um, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a sort of red flag for me a little bit for, for Tuchel because he's got history of doing these weird things at PSG and Dortmund as well. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one thought. I mean, he said in his post-match that, you know, we talk about it today, but it's forgotten tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll see, uh, you know, if that's the, the case. But um, what was your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was... 
it was a, it was a strange one. I can I can kind of see what Tuchel's trying to build. I think I think it's a weird time to be playing Southampton. I think with the way with the way that their form's been, it just felt like they would the, the best I saw. They were in the game to just make sure that one they were trying to stop the rut, and two they obviously were never going to outplay Chelsea, but they wanted to, to try and make sure that they sort of, sort of held on. Um, obviously, you know, they, they, they haven't had much possession of the game. Um, they, they do, they do what they do, you know, really well. They didn't, they didn't have many shots on target, but they're always quite sort of clinical. Um, obviously, cause you, you watched a, a big, chunk of the game or oh, a great deal more than I did. Who 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 impressed you in the game, if anyone? Who was who was someone that kind of stood out, um, if if anyone did? I think I think Mason Mount definitely had a brilliant game. Um I think he's again very similar to Pickford, you know, you know what I think or thought about Mason Mount. That, that opinion slowly changing over the last couple of weeks. But Mason Mount had a brilliant game. Um, I thought Vestergaard had a really good game for for uh, Southampton. I think he was probably the key key player for them yesterday. He made a lot of things difficult for Chelsea moving forward. Um, and Gola Kante, it was good to see him back um, in in the game. I think I think I don't think Chelsea. I think if I had, I think that the question could be answered a lot easier if I said who do I think didn't play well. And for me, it would have been Timo Werner and Tammy Abraham. Um, both just obviously Tammy went off um, half time but you know you look at Timo Werner and you know I don't want to criticise him too much because he, he does a lot for the, the team which kind of goes unnoticed but at the same time as well we haven't brought him to do those things so you know we, we kind of need the goals from him now as well and I think hopefully they come eventually um, but yeah for me Vestergaard Mount um, Angolo Kante uh, played really well, you know. I thought they were, I thought they were the three for me, um, and obviously Hudson Adoy for thirty minutes um, played played well. But yeah, man, I thought I thought it was a good game. It was a shame that we we dropped points because obviously now we're looking at, um, you know, I think Liverpool are three points behind us. Um, West Ham are still two points ahead. Everton has still got a game in hand. So if they win that. You know, it changes the dynamics of where we are as well. So it was definitely two points dropped rather than a point gained um, for, for Chelsea. But, you know, Southampton, I think Southampton were third in December, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, they've had a torrid three month or well, two months. Um, you know, they were, they were, they were co- comfortable in December. And now, you know, I think they're, they're 13th. So it kind of tells you what kind of season they've had. Um but it'd be interesting. I think there's some, I think uh, they've got a game against Leeds coming up um, on Tuesday, which would be a good game. It's at six o'clock. Um, and obviously Chelsea um, have got Atletico um, in Bucharest, which is a bit of a strange one, but that's at uh, eight o'clock, I think also on Tuesday. So there's two good games coming up um, after that as well. But just um, moving on to... Um, uh, another game which I feel was um, a good game. A couple of talking points in there for Jose Mourinho, but um, West Ham Spurs. What were your thoughts on that? Cause 
you know what? This was um, this was a really good game. Um, it was another one where there's because uh, we've had a few, I think, this weekend where like quick start. Um, but yeah, West West Ham, obviously a player that I think a lot of people. I don't know how you can't you can't um, not like this guy, but Antonio again. Um, this is I feel like if Jesse was was on today, he'd he'd love to do this game. So it was a crossing from Bowen, who I know that he um, uh, he you know he really likes and. Um, he's put it in obviously I don't know the Spurs back line is at sixes and sevens and obviously he's he's not just reacted first but he's he's reacted to the, the second ball as well so he did he did really well um, they managed to obviously double their lead Jesse Lingard um, puts them obviously 2-0 ahead um, it's funny because the rest of the game, I think what, what really impressed me with West Ham was the, the middle two. I think Rice and Suchek, again, we've spoken about them. I think a lot of people have, but they, they were, they were fantastic. I think they complement each other really well. And you hope that, you know, each one of them can stay fit. So they, they, um, they'll continue to, to obviously form well. And I think they give a, they, they give West Ham a really strong spine. Um, it was funny because obviously, obviously Tottenham get get their goal um, in, in the second half. Poor poor defending from West Ham actually. That's a very unmoise like goal to concede. But yeah, they get their goal back. They they have a few opportunities to to get back in in the game. I think they hit the the, the crossbar at the post a couple of times. They're a little bit unlucky. Um, Harry Kane, you know, does. You know he does he does well on, on a few occasions, but one one thing I noticed with um, Spurs, and this has been in a few games, but particularly yesterday, when you when you watch them play, just it is very much a Jose like, you know, very um, disciplined, very organised. But their players were so far away from each other yesterday. When you you saw them kind of pick up the ball and try and do things, it was just, it's very similar to the way that a few other teams play, like, you know, Man United, for example, um, uh, to some Sam, uh, Sam Allardyce teams. They're just so far away from each other that you thought, how 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 are they going to kind of in, interact with, you know, like what's, with each other and create chances. Obviously, they managed to eventually, but yeah, just going forward, it just I never got the feeling that they were going to get enough goals to to get something out of the game. Particularly um, after after Lingard had got the second, um, so that that was that was a that, that that was just quite interesting for me. And I feel the players that they brought in, Lamella played okay. Um, you know, at the back, the um, the centre back that they. What's his name? Ten Tengang. I can't remember how to pronounce it, but Tenganga. Um, that's it. Yeah, he 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 wasn't. He didn't play particularly well. Sanchez. I've always had my question marks about him. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, like Dyer. I've never really been a big fan of him at centre back. I, I just I just feel like um, that that was just part of the struggle. They just didn't have enough of a template going forward. And I think when they're when they're kind of not, you know, the players that aren't their best players, when they're not at their best, they really struggle. And I think that that happened yesterday. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm glad for West Ham. Obviously, they 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 shut up the table. They're in they're in fourth. I don't expect them to stay there for the, for the rest of the 
season, I think they'll, they they will probably fall away because they are one or two injuries away from struggling. But there's not that many games left. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering, yeah, what what, what thoughts you had on? Obviously, it's a, it's a London derby as well. Um, what, what were your thoughts on on the games? I know, you, obviously, you, you managed to, to catch bits of it. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Then I think that was um, that was spot on. I, I feel, and I've I've watched a number of uh, Spurs games, Premiership Spurs games. Albeit I didn't watch the the game on Thursday in the, the Europa, but the games that I have watched when Harry Kane's playing lately, it's almost like he's a midfielder, and. I don't know whether that's Jose saying you've got to come back to get the ball or help the midfield. I don't know, but, you know, it kind of restricts what you can do in midfield and you sense there's a bit of frustration from Kane because obviously, you know, you've got the likes of Son and uh, Mora and Lamelo who you would expect to be able to, you know, Kane is meant to be feeding off their balls. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, And, and, the last couple of games I've watched, you know, he, he seems like he's he's having to be dragged back into his own half too much. And, you know, when they win the ball, you know, he, he's probably the one who's winning the ball for them. So, you know, there's no one up front. You know, I've noticed that a few times. And, um, you know, credit to West Ham, I thought, um, I, I'll be honest, you know, I think Jesse Lingard has found a new lease of life um, since he's been there I know it's early days and you, you get that from players when they move to a different club that they you know they do have that little peak in form but um, you know he he was brilliant I thought uh, Gerard Bowen was was played really well um, for me I, I think Lamella I don't know if I'd have started him for me um, I thought when Bale came on he's someone that I probably would have started in that game he still has a question mark over his head for me that I don't know what he's, I don't know. I don't know why he's in the team always in the, in, in, is at Tottenham. Sorry. I don't know why he's there because he, you know, when he, when he comes on, like what's his role? Yeah. Like, is he just a impact sub that you want every now and again? Or is he, is he someone that you, you, uh, you know, he said a few weeks ago of when they signed him that he's not fully fit, which is why he's not in the team. But at what point is he going to be fully fit? Because we're now, like you said, near the end of, you know, the, the final couple of hurdles of the season now. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And um, it'd be, hopefully he is fit. And if he is, then it'd be interesting to see how he's going to be used because on on his day, even if he might have lost a bit of pace, he's still a, technically for me, he's still he's still a very good player, and he's got a lot to offer. But um, I just want to pick up what you're saying about Jesse Lingard. I think I think he again he was excellent yesterday. He was chasing the ball down. His finish was fantastic. Took it nice and early. Um, you know, some players would have given that ball up because it. You know, there was obviously question mark of offside, which it obviously wasn't. But I feel like in this West Ham team, he's being played in his best position, which is just kind of off the front man a little bit to the left. And at United, obviously, that position is occupied by either Rashford or Martial. Even Dan James wants to kind of play there as well. So I think that's his best position. And I think he plays better under managers who have a a tactical um kind of disciplined setup. So like he flourished under Van Gaal. Moyes, I know they play slightly different football, but there is a more of a structural system where everybody has a role and they know what they're doing. And I think he really benefits from that focus. I think the go out and express yourself 
way of coaching works for some players, but he's not. I don't think he's that way inclined. I think he's much better with instruction, and he was he was great again um, yesterday, like he was in in their previous. I think he's played two games for them now before this one, so he's been yeah he's been really good um, in in that sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that a lot. I agree with that a lot. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think he has been played in a, a more suited position um, that complements him and obviously he's complementing West Ham at the time, at, at, at this moment in time. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you um, was around Tottenham and obviously look at the table now and, you know, they're sitting in ninth place, ninth place um, level on points with Aston Villa, who've got a game in hand. Um you know, is this the point where we say, you know, Spurs do not get European football next season now? Or is there still a glimmer of hope that very similar to, to last season, you know, when Jose, um, sorry, the season before when Jose came in, he, you know, he managed to climb them up the table? I think for me, anyone in that top 10, you don't rule out um, to finish in, in Europe until... You, you're starting to look at like you know 30 31 games gone um yep Tottenham I think they are they're ninth for 36 points they're just looking at it now they're seven points um let's say for ease off Chelsea off in in fifth four points off Everton in seventh it's a bit it's a bit of a weird one because you just need a run of form for six seven games and you're fine they've got a game in hand. Um, on teams sixth and above, and so they're only, for example, they're only four points of Liverpool with a with a game in hand. They win that game in hand, it's a, it's one point. So, um, and they played the same number of games at Everton. I think Villa will fall out of that personally. Um, so, and a lot of it depends on that cup final because if they win that trophy, I think as you mentioned before a few times, and I think loads of other pundits and stuff have mentioned, that's a bit different. Firstly, you're in Europe. So regardless of whatever happens, even if you're not in the Champions League, you're, you're in Europe for another season, plus you've won a trophy as well. And you think if they if they beat Man City, you are going to be going for that trophy because I think this is the season, if they're going to win the quadruple, it will be this one. If you can beat a Man City team, that's going to give you confidence to win the Europa, then that will take you in the Champions League. So it's, I think Spurs are just in a very unique position where they can still do a lot of different things. And if there's going to be any manager, as you well know, that can pull that off, it's going to be Jose. Why? Because he's got previous. He did it with uh, that Man United team that finished sixth. So that's what I'm saying for now. Spurs, even Arsenal um, as well to an extent, but more Spurs. I'm not ruling them out of the, the, the top um, sort of seven top top six places until yeah in another six seven games for me personally what about you what are you, what are you thinking yeah no I think um, it's Jose man <laughs> Jose's got it in him to 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 pull he's got he's got it in him to pull um, something out of the hat at the last minute so and like you say I think I think regardless of whether they win the uh, the League Cup or the Carabao Cup um, I think their eyes will be firmly on Europa this season and I don't think they're going to want to miss out on that I think one of the things that I personally think as well is that you know Harry Kane the likes of Harry Kane and, and Son you know if they actually want to win anything within their career if they want to actually say that they had you know all these stats and they looked amazing on the pitch then that's great but if you want to 
walk away from your career and actually have medals and honours next to your name and trophies, they're going to have to seriously think about is Tottenham the club for them? Because, you know, they, 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 I can't remember if it's how old son, I'm not sure, is he 29? Something like that, 28. So, you know, they're, they're at that age where, yeah, they're strikers, they can probably play for another, you know, five years. But, you know, they're, they're not young anymore. They're not 18, 19, 20, 21. We're talking about they've hit their peak to an extent or they should have done by now. They've got to be winning trophies at the same time. And it just, even the League Cup, is that really enough? You know, do they really want to walk away with just that on their CV? So um, for me, I think, you know, they've got to either go for the League Cup and go for Europa or push on and try and get um, top four this season, which is very unlikely based on where they are at the position in the league at the moment. Yeah, no, I, 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 to- I totally agree. I totally agree with that one. Um, let's let's move on. Let's move on to, to Arsenal City because I know if we spend too much time on Spurs, Arsenal fans are going to get unhappy with us. And obviously, I've just picked up Arsenal so they can still finish in the European places. So, um, you're, obviously, you're going to take the lead on this one. So, to tell us about, yeah, how... how um, Arsenal got on against Man City. Yeah, it was going to be it's going to be tough for Arsenal. I think Man City were on, um, you know, seventeen games uh, unbeaten. I think weren't they? So you know they made it eighteen today um, or Sunday, and um, they haven't dropped points. I don't think City since December the fifteenth of December. So going into the game, you already you know we, we already know what City are like. You know they're they're relentless with it. Um, City started well, as they do. Um, I can't remember how, I think the goal was two minutes or something like that. But one of the things I wanted to point out was, um, you know, you're looking at, the, the you know, the build-up to the, the goal was brilliant. Riyad Mahrez crosses it in. But for me, as an Arsenal fan and, a, you know, Mikel Arteta, how is Raheem Sterling jumping higher than Rob Holding and getting the ball? To me, that is just, and that's no disrespect to Raheem because, you know, he's he's probably the shortest, one of the shortest players on the pitch and he, he'll probably claim that himself. But, you know, how is he climbing higher than Rob Holding, free header? No one's really marking him. And, you know, it set the game up for City. You know, you go you go 1-0 down to City, you may as well either walk off or, or go right for it. And and I did, I did feel like there was moments in the game where Arsenal did do that and I'll get onto that in a minute, but... You know, just in the first quarter of an hour, I think City had four shots to, and Arsenal didn't have any. Do you know what I mean? So it's like those kind of things tell you that City one nil up, they're not going to stop. You know, they're going to continue. We've said this before on here that you know they don't, they don't, um, you know, don't give you any any leeway in football. But um, credit to Arsenal, you know, they they carried on, they weathered the storm a little bit. Um, they, yeah, I think. Um, I think Saka Saka was you know trying you know I, I like him he's a good player um, but then you know you look at City again I think there was um, I think it was Gondogan and um, was it Concello I think had you know they had shots you know there were just shots coming in it was like it was like practice for them you know like a training match um, as the game went on though you know you felt like City like Arsenal could get something out of the game. You know, there was plenty of opportunity for Arsenal to get something. Um, I just felt that City needed that second goal because the, the longer that game went on, City just ended up passing the ball left to right, back to Edison, you know, back to um, Sinchenko. And then, 
it was just a it was just a passing exercise. Then they weren't really doing anything. But um, you know, it's it's, tough, it's a tough one for Arsenal because I feel like City. You know, you got you got to take the game to City um, to an extent because once they score, you are on an uphill struggle. You know, you're not you're not going to be getting many chances with you know against them. Um, but you know, I think they've had 18 goals in their last six games, City. Um, you know, so they're not stopping anytime soon at all. Um, it was just, it was, a, it was a strange game because I don't feel like much really happened in it. Um, but there was definitely signs that Arsenal could have grabbed the point in it as well. You know, um, just looking at the stats now, you know, Arsenal had 45% possession. Um, they only had the one shot on target, but they had seven shots. You know, they were still making, you know, didn't even make a chance really, to be fair. So sorry, I'll take that back, Arsenal. You're rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, no. They, you know what? It was it was going to be a tough game. You know, City, City on form. They weren't going to beat them anyway. I don't think because City has 23 clean sheets this season. Now we know how they play. Um, it was good to see Kevin De Bruyne back. I think that was his first game back in in a month. So you know, he he was obviously heavily missed um, in that midfield and it was good to see him back as well. Um, but yeah, man, Arsenal, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling a bit, you know, you have to look at, again, where they are, they're, they're 10th, you know. Um, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a strange season for them. Um, Pepe, again, you know, he hasn't really done, done what he needed to do and Aubameyang has peaks in his form where he does really well and then he goes missing again so I just feel like Arsenal now at a point where yeah they need to just be careful that they don't slip into this rut of not winning games and you know um, we said it before I think last week and the week before that you know we once Europe, Europa League and Champions League comes back in you know it's going to it's going to test a lot of clubs and a lot of players and I feel like I think Arsenal have won two games all year I think or is it two or three three games they've won this this year um, Newcastle Southampton Leeds they haven't won any others you know so they've got Benfica now to, to look forward to in a in a, a home leg but it's, that's not going to be an easy game for them so the games are coming thick and fast for me City you know I'd, I'd, I think I was saying to someone already that Paddy Power have already paid out City as winners of the Premier League. So <laughs> kind of tells you, you know, 10 points clear. Can't really see anyone catching them. Yeah, no, I I, um, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, the, the two points I wanted to, wanted to make, Sterling was fantastic. Just for me, he was the man of the, was a man of the match. I think Diaz got it. Um, I think he was Sky's man of the match. But Sterling was just, was a phenomenal there were, there were moments where he was, um, obviously, his goal, if Messi scores that goal, everyone's going to be creaming over it. But because of Sterling, obviously, we're looking more at the defence, which I, I do get the defending is poor, but it's it's a really it's a really good header. You know, it's a really good header. Um, you know, puts it in the far corner, but he was just great on the ball. He was just running relentlessly towards the end of the game. He's holding it, playing it simple. He was just, he, he's a complete, player you know his numbers is a sit just all of it fantastic um the issue just, i'm just going to quickly raise with arsenal in this game was i f- i think they started with the wrong players um and the wrong tactics maybe the wrong formation but 
was they beat Man City. Um, I don't think they beat them in the league for a number of years, but they have beat them in the cups. I think they beat them in the FA Cup a couple of times in the past few years. I think yeah. when they've done that, yeah. Um, yeah. So the the tactic, and this is why I've been quite critical of Arteta because I think his main tactic is play a Bamiyang off the left and slap it to him, especially when playing the big teams, and that's where their success has come. And that's no disrespect to him, and it's not meant in that way. That's just that's what's worked, whether you agree with it or not. His tactics in this game, I just kind of looked at it and I thought, I think Pepe is good against the weaker teams at the moment, but in the bigger games, he's too selfish. He just kept slapping in shots, just smashing the ball in, trying to cut in. It just, it just wasn't going to ever work. Um, Aubameyang should have played on left because um, they have struggled with him on that side, um, but he played down the middle, which where I think he's quite ineffective, to be honest. Smith-Rowe probably should have started, in fairness. Um, they probably could have gone three at the back um, with, with Tierney tucking in because I think that might help them as well and I think that's what helped them I, th- I think it's when they played Liverpool if memory serves me right um, and they did quite well against Liverpool earlier in the season um, and uh, you know I'm not going to go too much into tactics but I'd also be quite tempted to play you're not going to get any change against Stones and Diaz Stones played really well today he dealt with Aubameyang easy like I, there were times I had to wonder if they were playing at the city of Manchester because it, Stones was just like running just hella games there um, like it was his stadium no, and, and that's no disrespect to Arsenal he just played really well I would have played maybe a false nine um, maybe maybe I, I, I don't know how Saka might have played there but I would have just got someone who just wasn't quite playing up front but just sitting off to try and draw those defenders out play a Bamiyang on the left to run into the space behind him when Cancelo's bombing forward I just felt like that whole formation just didn't really work and, and you could see when Arsenal were trying to play at the back it just it just wasn't working at all Bamiyang couldn't hold it yes they had some chances but um, yeah that, that, those are my points really about take nothing away from C they, they won that at a canter the only the only way they might have been beaten is if they just you know struggled them, themselves really with with not taking with taking a foot off the gas and they only made one sub which is incredible really considering the number of games that they played they're they're a fit side so yeah I just no one's going to catch them that that's done it's just a battle for seconds to eighth now to be honest um, that's the way I see it and and just just and just before we move on. The two points I wanted to make, you just touched on one there about John Stones. He looks like a new player. It's like he's it's like the John Stones that got him to move to City. You know, it's like he's he's back at that level. And I think Jesse mentioned it a few uh weeks ago that um, you know, he hasn't really had a run of games at City, so now he's got that. You can almost see the partnership between him and Diaz is is you know, is blossoming every game. So um and my second point was that this is what I mean when, you know, Liverpool fans sort of get on get on to you, get on your back about when you talk about depths in squad. One sub, you know, one sub is when you can you've got that depth in squad that you can rotate as much plays as you want throughout the season, which City do do that quite a bit. And you you know, City have got two squads, they've got depth, and yes, they've got a lot more money. That's understandable, but you know, you've got to have the depth in squad if you want to win things. And City were unfortunate last season. You know, they, they I think if had they, um, you know, not played poorly throughout parts of that season, they would have ran away the league last season for me as well. Um, but this season, you know, they've, they've gone clear. You may as well give them the title now. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I just looked at their bench. They had Foden, Aguero, um, Walker, Laporte, <laughs> They said they're away to Arsenal and they're saving these men for the Champions League. One, one thing yeah, on tells you Stone. Yeah, no, it's, it's mad. Um, but yeah, one, one thing on Stones, from my opinion, I've never really thought he was a good defender. Even when he was at Everton, I thought he was very average, but very he's very smart like he can see a lot of things that a lot of players um don't see as a center back which is why i felt that pep bought him i feel like now he's a better defender than he ever was like defensively he it just feels like he's a different player i feel like when people talk about harry Maguire, both pre and post his man united signing that's what they see but that's not what Maguire is. But Stones is that player, very good on the ball and now very good defensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully if him it continues, I wish him you know best of luck with that because if he can continue that form, City and potentially England are going to be very hard to beat, given the partnerships that he can develop with other he's players. He's going to go on so, the plane, man. He's, he's going to go on yeah, the plane. Yeah, hundred, um, I know we've got to move on to another another Midlands or another derby in the, the Midland Midlands derby this time. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, I was going to say East, but it's not even East Midlands. It's just the Midlands one. Midlands, big big derby though. Um, so obviously we're talking about Villa, um, Leicester, which was. Um, I, I tell you what, I've got I've got some good games this weekend. I think you always you always fix up with a good game, so I'm always feeling blessed. But. This um this this game this game was it was an excellent one and I think we knew it was and I know you texted me before the game because you're a bit worried for for Villa and in fairness to them to it was just a very open game they had loads of chances um, Leicester won because they were smarter with the ball and they were more clinical um, I, f- I felt like there was a catalogue of errors from both goalkeepers for all the goals that went in Martinez has got to do better. I know it's in the corner, man. So Madison obviously scores the first goal, Barnes, Leicester second, and Traore gets um, Villa's goal. Um, Madison puts it in a corner, but I feel like the keeper, he's a big guy and he's made some exceptional saves. I think he even in this game, he demonstrated that with uh, Madison had a free kick. He's got to get there for me. I, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that he's let that in. Um, Barnes, he's been one of the, the the breakthrough players of the season. I think he was excellent last season. He's been fantastic this season. Um, Vardy again led the line really well. Didn't get a goal today, but his his running makes teams so scared that other really good players and players that are verging on sort of really top class players, Madison, Barnes, Tillmans, all them guys have so much room because their teams are so scared of Vardy. And that's what happened. Like they just, they took them apart. Villa had loads of chances. They could have, they could have easily got something um, from the game. Um, I just feel defensively sometimes they're, they're lacking. I know a lot of people are, um, they like Tyron Mings. I think he has his moments, but I feel like him and Konza, uh Konza's, I think, still getting used to to the Prem. Mings just, you'll yeah, never. I don't think he'll ever be like a top uh, top tier defender, but he's good. But I feel like just sometimes when they fall apart at the back, they really, they really just fall apart. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think it was it was a really good game. Uh, good game. Um, I think with Villa, they're just going to have loads of games like this. Some of them they'll win, some of them um, you know, some of them they'll 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 struggle with. But yeah, I, f- 
I think now if, with, when you're looking at the, the kind of table, um, you've, you've got um, obviously Leicester in, in third place or joint second really on goal difference on, on 49. Yep, they've got they've got the Europa. I don't really think they're going to be that fussed about winning it. Villa got um, Villa on 36 points in eighth, about two two games in hand. Because obviously their little Christmas break, as some some people call it, um, and I don't expect them to be in the running for the European places, but they will certainly. Um, I think they will certainly push it as much as they can. But when you kind of look at their, you look at their results. Um, they're either just winning or just losing games. So they've they played 23, won 11, lost 9. Um, even when you look at their scoring, their goal difference is decent, um, but they, they, they've conceded more games than they've played and they've scored in, obviously, in a, a number of, um, you know, they slapped up a few teams, like sort of twos and threes. So, yeah, I, I think that was a question I was going to was gonna ask you because obviously we've spoken about Leicester a lot and I know obviously Villa um, are quite close to your heart as well. But do you see Villa main sustaining that? Are they gonna Are they gonna push for it in your mind, or do you think Do you think that maybe maybe um, you know this is as good as it gets for them? I think I think if I'm honest, I, I do feel like they're overachieving um, in the greatest respects to to Villa. Um, I think I'm not sure how long Jack Grealish is out for. I think it's a it's a leg injury that he sustained in training, but I think he's going to be. I mean, he holds that glue together at the team. Regard, I think this is the first. This might be the first match he's missed in ninety plus games. I think I don't know. I can't remember how many it is, but I just feel that. Um, the key points that you touched on around, um, you know, the defence sort of turn into pot a little bit. And um, I felt, felt Konza, even Mings today, you know, I didn't feel like they were, they were on, on the usual form that they have been. I thought, you know, Triori was probably one of the key players and um, El Hamadi as well, for he played really well. But I just feel that at the moment, um, you know, Villarreal, are overachieving a little bit. I think they'll they'll fall off. I'm not saying that they'll. I think where they are now is probably the best they're probably going to get this season. Um, in in terms of the game today, I, I agree with you. You know, I felt. I mean, you know, James Madison. I think that's um, is that nine goals now in nine appearances or something like that. So you know, he's he's doing really well. Um, same with Harvey Barnes, but I just think. Um, Martinez is going through a bit of a sticky period at the moment where he's kind of literally dropping the ball, um, you know, and I feel like that's kind of, um, you know, proving a big a big deal for for, Liverpool, um, for Aston Villa. But I just think since that game where they, they, they beat Liverpool, you know, they have done really well. They've, you know, you mentioned that they're either winning or losing games, but... Um, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing well. You look at where they were last season, you know, they were just about clinging on to Premier League status. Um, you know, Dean Smith's done a lot of, you know, done brilliantly. I think Ollie Watkins has been a, a breath of fresh air for them this season as well. Um, the same with Ross Barkley. Um, you know, they might even end up trying to, to, to sign him, keep him as a permanent um, 
than how Villa fans feel about that one. But, um, you know, I feel like they've got enough to, to, to kick on maybe next season. I feel like if they can bring in maybe some of the, the, the players that they want to probably bring in, I think Douglas Louise might be one of the ones I'm sure City albeit that they might not want to but if they've got um, they can trigger a, a buyback clause in Douglas Louise but whether they do that is a different question I don't know if they will but I do feel like again they need to address certain issues um, Villa this is they need to address certain issues in the summer if they want to try and kick on and maybe do what Everton are doing now and you know just getting past that last hurdle of trying to get into Europe. I don't know if they can do that at the moment, but definitely for me, they're overachieving and they should still be proud of where they are in the league. Yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I agree with all of that. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I hope, I mean, obviously I want, I want less, I want both of these teams to do well. Um, I think, I think the manager is like, he's kind of touching on, has done a, a, a great job there. He's brought in some good players. I feel like I feel like Villa are here to stay now for a bit. I think even if they lose Grealish, um, obviously, you know, like you're saying, this is the first time in a long time they've not played with him. But they, they could have they could have easily gotten a point or one today. So um, I'm I'm hoping that both can push on. Leicester will definitely, but yeah, I just I don't really see Villa. I just see them falling away personally. But obviously, you know, I'm, I'm one of them guys they either get it spot on or, or horribly wrong, so I'm hoping I'm horribly wrong as, as, it, um, as far as they're concerned. It's 50-50 with um, you, it's normally, it's normally 50-50. No, no. No, it's meant. Sorry, just the last thing I wanted to say was um, yeah, big game, Leeds on Saturday, half five. Um, that's going to be a big game for Villa. I think they, they really need to get the three points there. Um you know, it almost will remind me of a championship game. And again, that's no disrespect to either, either team, but I just feel like that's going to be like one of those scrappy kind of championship games that we, we normally see. So I'm looking forward to that. And obviously Leicester have got Slavia Prague in the Europa League as well. Uh, Thursday, uh, eight o'clock as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you've been waiting for your time, man. I'm going to let you have your time because it's, <laughs> you've been waiting. We saved this for last. <laughs> You, 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 know, you know how it is though what because obviously preparing for this one because we were recording literally um, started recording just after the game and I feel like I'm going to try not to repeat myself but I feel like you could have just cut me talking from um, one of the previous episodes and just paste it because it's, it's the same thing so of course we're, we're talking at, well I see we I'm talking about Man United versus Newcastle United of course Man United won 3-1 um, on on Sunday, and I think three one is a really flattering scoreline. Um, Man United were really poor in the first half, really really poor. Um, I think the possession stats were something around the seventies for United and in the late twenties for Newcastle. It was just so boring. Um, it's you know it was. De Gea was making the same mistakes. I don't know how Lindelof is starting with Maguire. I'm not even going to... I want to do a segment on Maguire at some point, maybe with some graphics and stuff, because I just... I don't I don't understand. I don't understand it. <laughs> I just don't understand. But, um, yeah, he... Yeah, um, the, the first half, it was 1-1. I think Newcastle, they, they were well-organised, as, you, as you'd expect. Um, second half, up until Dan James uh, scores the to the goal to make it 2-1 Newcastle should have been ahead they had, they had quite a few chances they were the better team 
Um, so yeah, obviously the first first couple of goals, Rashford does well with his goal. Keep keeper will be disappointed. Um, Darlow, he's been beating at his near post. Um, Rashford does what he does. He's I've always been a big fan of him, even if his form is is quite up and down. But he's still a young guy. Strikers and wingers don't really peak until their mid twenties anyway. Um, his numbers are decent. He's looks like he's been playing with an injury for about two years now. Um, yes, he does have some poor games and yes, it, he does deserve to have people get onto him because that's what the price is for playing for United. But he took his goal well and Newcastle took their goal well. Um, St. Maximum was excellent today, especially for the first hour. Um, I don't know what... I'm going to come on to Maguire in a minute because I'm going to... I, I, I need to talk about the rest of the game. But um, second half... Obviously, Dan James gets his goal, takes it really well. Um, you know, United get a penalty. Of course they do. Um, Man United, that is. Um, I think it's, it's a definite penalty. And obviously, I'm going to get the stats thrown in my face again with Fernandez. But, I mean, he, he didn't play that well today again. And yes, he's on there to get the penalty. But there's, you know, there's a lot of players that can take penalties in that side. So... In the end, um, it was a, it was a nice win. It was good to see Greenwood come on. He looked very lively, very sharp. Um, I think uh, Shortery, I think his name is a young seventeen year old lad, um, made his debut as well. It's good to see him get on the pitch. Newcastle played really well. Um, they are a side that look like they've got some Premier League players and some Championship players, and they played like that. But they they were very solid. They were a bit, little bit more attacking. Um, Almiron played very well today. He, I texted you before the game because he, he, I had a feeling he was going to cause some issues and he did. Um, just there wasn't either the quality at times with his final ball or there just wasn't the quality of players getting up to him because he's rapid and he was just running away and no one else could keep up with him. Um, but yeah, just my little, my little rant on, um, uh, Maguire. Today was a prime, or Sunday was a prime example of where the basic thing you expect him to do well, heading, is something he's not very good at. Um, for the corner, it's shocking. I think Paul Scholes mentioned it on, on BT. The ball comes to you. You're a big £80 million centre-back. Get the ball out. You know, I think even I could have headed that out. I'm thinking, over, just get it out over the bar. Um you know, he's. He, I think there's a couple of times he had. He's just heading the ball to see how hard he can head the ball. He's not trying to find players. It's poor. Him and De Gea then at the back. Um, De Gea, De Gea play. I think he plays a ball at one point mid midway in the first half straight to a Newcastle player. He can't play from out the back. Newcastle are pressing up. Oli's got to tell them guys just get the hell out of the back, out of um, the half. Push up and just smash that ball up. Pick up the second ball. Get it into, um, you know, get Matic further up the field um, or something. I don't know, but it was just, it was dreadful. Lindelof getting getting beat um, several times. It was poor. Um, man of the match was was probably Luke Shaw for me. I think it was was mentioned. I think Genas made a man of the match as well, from what I can remember. But he, he had a really good game, was driving forward. He's if players like him and other teams like Cresswell, Stones, Declan Rice, all these, they've been, they've played really, really well um, this season. A lot of the, the English lads, I think, that have 
had a kick up the backside from either signings or they've had managers that maybe have had a word with them. But Shaw, Shaw was excellent today on corners, um, free kicks, driving forward defensively. He looks like he's really matured um, into that position. But like I said, in, in terms of the game, it 3-1 really flattered May United. Um, Newcastle, unfortunate that they couldn't get... A little bit more and, and obviously the quality just showed through in the end but I don't know you must be sick of, of hearing me talk talk about United cars because it, it is it is literally the same thing and again no, no, it's no, just no, 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 not at all. same thing with Maguire you know what I mean no I think you I think you're 100% right I think you know um, it was very strange to me that you have a defender like Eric Bailly on the bench who for me is a more suitable option to partner Harry Maguire. Um, I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's definitely more suited to play next to Harry Maguire um, rather than Lindelof. Um, doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what the reason is behind it. I don't know whether they're, they're mates on like, good pals on the training pitch or whatever, but it just seems like a weird one for me. Um, I thought, you know, it's a strange game because when you look at the scoreline, you see 3-1, you think United have battered Newcastle and it didn't seem like that. It just felt like there was moments where Manchester United got a bit of luck or, you know, it was poor defending. Um, I think, especially for the first goal, I think Darlow, he's beaten at his near post. I think it was a bit of a, you know, obviously a burst of pace from Rashford, cuts in. And even at that point, though, and I think it took a slight deflection, so I'll give him that takes a slight deflection before it gets to, to Darlow but you're getting beaten like that you're near post you've got to ask questions and um, you know I think Willock today you know I praised him last week I think or the, the week before and today he was just yeah, he was just a bit I don't know man he was just off the boil a little bit um, but you know I think like you said about um, St. Maximum I thought he played well um, I thought he had a really good game. I thought Rashford had a really good game. Fernandez, even without the penalty, had a really good game. Um, Fred was okay today. Matic was okay. Um, I'm with you on Harry Maguire. You know, I feel like he's he's someone who gets away with quite a lot for not just in terms of his price tag, but just in terms of how bad he actually is at what he's meant to be doing. You know, he's not he's not really. It's not Titus Bramble level, but he's not <laughs> that far off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's kind of around there. So I feel like, you know, um yeah, he just I think something's got to click with him. You know, it's I'm not saying he's a bad player. We've seen bad players who, you know, look at Pickford, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were slating him, now he's playing really well again. So I think he's still got that within him somewhere, because he's not he's not that bad of a defender. He's just at the the last couple of months he's just been really poor for me you know um, Wan-Bissaka as well you know I don't know whether that area needs to be addressed in the summer as well but I just feel like he's I mean he came on quite a bit of big money he came to the club he had a brilliant time at Palace you know I loved him at Crystal Palace but when you step up to a club like Man United you know your expectations change and you know people will get onto you a lot quicker if you're not pulling up your, you know, your weight, your end of the, the bargain sort of thing. So, you know, I think him, Martial, I know he gets a lot of stick as well, like you said before. So, you know, um, 
it was a good result for United. I think if you're talking about results and what it means for the league and so let's say the league, but what it means for European football next season and stuff like that, you know, in a couple of weeks, Man United won't care that they've 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 kind of had to pass the ball around. It's been a bit of a snooze fest. They've got three points and they're happy with that. They've only lost four games, I think, this season. You've got a really good goal difference as well. So I feel like you're in the driving seat in terms of Leicester, West Ham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Everton, those teams below you. You really are still obviously in the driving seat to get Champions League. So I think for a neutral like myself, you know, it's great because Oli's still at the wheel. But, you know, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that the main objective, you know, is to get top four. And it looks like you're on, a, you know, you, you're almost there now. So, um, you know, those kind of scrappy games are going to be happening to a lot of clubs. And I feel like, you know, no one really likes to sit through them because they are a bit boring. But, you know, it was a, it's definitely, you know, three points that United needed. So I can't, don't think there'll be any complaints there. No, no, 100%. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, with the way that City are playing at the moment, not many teams would have caught up with them in, in most seasons anyway. So if you're going to be the best of the rest, then that's where you want to be, isn't it? And given that Man United weren't expecting to to have a title challenge, to be nine points ahead of Liverpool, um, you know, six ahead of Chelsea at this stage of the season is, is absolutely fine. Um, I, my theory is still that there will come a point where the players will probably be overplayed and there will be an issue come the end of the season, especially if, if United stay in uh, May United stay in the, in the FA cup um, and get far in the Europa. I feel that will become an issue and the running, it's not a difficult running, but there are some difficult games. Just quickly before we wrap up on the game, you, I think you, you raised some good points about two players, um, Wan-Bissaka and, and Martial. Martial, didn't play very well today. Um, his, his his movement for the way that we are looks like we are playing football, which is mm, kind of let's try and pass the ball out from the back and get the ball into the main striker, into feet and use the inside forwards. He doesn't operate well like that and his movement is too poor for that kind of football when Greenwood came on he was popping all over the place he was getting in spaces getting on the ball again the teams got quite scared of him that opens up space for Rashford first half it was predictable nobody had anywhere to run because it was all static so he, he did not play well today um, he had one little thing where he shifted the ball past the defender and, and Dalla made a good save Wan-Bissaka is an interesting one because I'm, I'm always a big fan of him. One, because he's from the ends and obviously he's repping South London, of course, and, and Crystal Palace. But on a serious note, he's got, for me, he's got two glaring um, areas of his game he probably will now need to work on next. One is still a little bit going forward. I feel he's never, at this moment in time, I don't think it's that important that he becomes, you know, a combination of Trent, Alexander-Arnold and, you know, I'm trying to think of a, an amazing right back at the moment, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, a, a Reese James, who maybe Reese James is probably a better example. He's good going forward and backwards, but I think going forward, yes, he needs to improve that and that will probably come with age and time. His other weakness, which I've noticed, and I think this is to do with his partnership with Lindelof, which is very non-existent, is that ball in between the both of them because there's been a lot of goals in the last 18 months that have been conceded like that. And what that is, is it comes from the, the mm. right winger um, of the opposition side, either 
putting ball behind Maguire, and because Maguire's got no sense of awareness, he won't cut it out. Lindelof doesn't is just a terrible defender, yeah. and uh, Wan-Bissaka doesn't. His position is is quite off when the ball's on the other side of the pitch, or when you've got an inside uh, like inverted winger or an inside forward on the opposition's right, they cut in or the fullback crosses from deep. And again, it basically it's when it goes over Maguire or through Maguire, Lindelof is not, is not telling Wan-Bissaka where to be because positionally Lindelof is too weak and doesn't do his job. But Wan-Bissaka needs to be better at calling that danger and looking across the line or picking up his man because a lot of times the players drift off him. We've conceded a lot of goals at the back post and that issue also comes in because, again, De Gea isn't I'm trying to use a word that's kind of not too harsh but De Gea won't come and clean the ball he's not commanding of his area that's probably the, the, the more sort of technical football term he won't come out he's not guiding the, cent- the centre-backs and the full-back but Wan-Bissaka is quite weak at that area of his game hopefully United will, will bring in some form of coach that will help him with that because I feel like Luke Shaw has improved, but the other three defenders aren't improving because they're not being coached properly how to defend and how to manage that area of the pitch. And De Gea doesn't help because he doesn't orchestrate that. Like someone like a Petr Cech, a Van der Sar, David Seaman, Schmeichel, Buffon, all of these legendary goalkeepers, even players like Fabianski, Kasper Schmeichel, um, Martinez, I've seen him do it. They command their area very well. De Gea doesn't do that and I think that's where if you've got weaknesses in the back four particularly as your fullback you're not picking up that danger and he needs to improve that very quickly because he's going to get he's going to get picked off in Europe and that's going to happen again in Europa when you start meeting some of the bigger side I can't remember who's in who's left in there that's not an English side but some of those clever Spanish um, Italian kind of European teams that are quite tactical they'll, they'll target that and some of the print Prem teams already do that, so that that's where he's got to, he's got to improve. But other than that, getting there, forty nine points, twenty five games, second in the table, twenty one goal difference. You know, what, what what can I say? I've got you know football manager next year, probably going to be able to you know buy the players I want to buy and do it first season in the Champions League. All calm, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> Can't complain, man. Can't complain at all. <laughs> But yeah, but um, yeah. Obviously, that's that's most of the the major games. Um, what was what was your what was your kind of highlight of the weekend? What would you say was like the biggest, the, the biggest kind of moment of the weekend for you? Even though I kind of think I know what it's gonna be. <laughs> I would I would say West Ham beating Spurs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Liverpool. Losing to Everton was was a big big game, and I feel I feel I almost feel sorry for Everton fans because the, it's like they're not allowed to be happy that they've beat their rivals. Um, you know they play even without the penalty. Everton deserved that win. Yeah. Liverpool yeah. did not deserve to get three points. So we can all sit here and talk about penalties and how it shouldn't have been a penalty, but Liverpool weren't good enough anyway. So you know my moment of the weekend has to be Everton. The way they played, the way they played defensively when Calvert-Lewin came on, Pickford, and the fact that they haven't done it for, I think, over 20 years, it can kind of stop all that banter. The banter suddenly changed this weekend. 
it was Everton, Evertonians having all the banter. So, you know, fair play to them. But um, what what was your um, your standout moment, Cos? You, you're going to hate me for this year, but shout out to Southampton for ending the run. Because in, in, fa- in fairness, this, this is an anti-Chelsea thing, but <laughs> they, 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 were, they were on one hell of a, a bad run. And I, I, I felt sorry for the, the squad because they had quite a few injuries, a few COVID sort of related stuff. They're always getting their players stolen from them by Liverpool or other sides. Um, but yeah, yeah. to get a point against the Chelsea side, that's resurgent. I like, I do like Tuchel. I think he's a, he's a good manager. I think Chelsea will get a lot from him um, over the next, you know, however long he's obviously there for. But um, I'm glad they managed to stop that rut, and it's 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 nice for them against you know a big it, Chelsea are a big side, and I hope that they can continue that. Cause I, f- I think it was like six games, six defeats on the bounce for them or something. So I think yeah, um, they've had six defeats, six defeats on the bounce now. Yeah, and obviously after the defeat to 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 Man United, I think they they didn't deserve that that defeat. Um, more because of how they've played in the season. I think you can get slapped up five or six, but they they weren't nine nil bad, and I don't think their season merited them to lose nine nil. So I'm glad that they're they're back on it, and um, yeah, I hope obviously anyone listening to me talking on them before, I, I really like them as a team and as a as a club. I think they're they're really well run. So um, yeah, I hope they can they can use that as a um, like a, a an, an an inspiration or a spur to to kind of end their season well. So not and nothing anti Chelsea. I promise. Is just I'm glad that Southampton got got that point. So I think that's oh, that's going to be I, big I for hear them. You, I hear you. Yeah. So yeah. The last thing I want to say before we we definitely wrap up is um, Musa Gineppo. He went through the wars on Saturday. Like <laughs> literally. Uh, if anyone reaches out to him, any Southampton fans, go and check on him because his legs must have been battered after that game. I think Kante trod on his legs and nearly snapped his ankle. I think Werner's trod on him and he was through the wars, man. And fair, fair play to him because he carried on, he stayed on. Most players in this day and age probably would have walked off and wanted to be subbed. But yeah, he went through the wars on Saturday. Man, so fair play to him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. But yeah, on our next... So... so yeah, follow us on the PTTW podcast. Um, always grateful for the the following, the the listeners, the subscribers. Um, again, if you don't agree with what we say, then let us know. You know, if you want to jump on and have your say, by all means, come on. We're, we're happy to have as many guests as we can on as well. Um, so yeah, thank thank you for listening and keep keep listening to us. Um, and hopefully, we can keep delivering that content for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And obviously, catch you soon.